Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Alicia and this is my co-host Jade. Hi Jade. Hi. So Alicia, what's got my attention this week is podcast advertising. Obviously, uh, like everyone else, I've been listening to so many podcasts recently since the pandemic at the start of the year. And I've noticed the real difference in the delivery of the advertising. Some are doing amazing things where you don't even realize that you've started listening to an ad within the podcast, but others are just sticking to these straight reads, which are so boring and so behind the times. The Interactive Advertising Bureau, their audio advertising report from late in 2019 stated that 75% of media buyers are using audio advertising now, but only 17% are actually tailoring the creative to suit the different audio environments, meaning they're pulling things that they're running on radio and just popping that straight onto podcasts, which I think to most people would seem like a big no-no. They're different mediums. They're not the same thing. The podcasts that I've been listening to, I think are doing some great things are some of the Mamma Mia podcasts. So I've been listening to You Beauty and their Mamma Mia Out Loud. The ads that they're doing with some of their brands are so conversational with the hosts and they take you through a journey of storytelling and they're doing such an incredible job. And then some of these bigger US really well-known podcasts are just doing these straight reads from the brands, which are so obvious. I skip through them. Whereas I don't tend to do that with the others that are a bit more conversational because sometimes it takes you a few seconds to realize you've started listening to an ad. Ad News ran an article and they said, with one-on-one listening and low ad mintage, podcasts are really one of the most mindful environments a brand can be gifted. It's important for brands to use this to their advantage. So ask yourself if you're really considering podcasting as its own audio medium. Do you agree? Yes. (laughs) Um... So in that article, it was also saying recorded radio spots are the most popular format while usage, usage of native audio and branded podcasts have experienced growth with potential for further growth over the next year. So they are expecting that native is going to grow. Um, but yeah, that these recorded radio spots are getting even, the fact that they're even getting this airtime just blows my mind. But look, that just must be easy for the marketing team, maybe just chuck, you know, we've got that radio spot, chuck that on, but native is always the way to go. And I can't, I can't, um, express that enough. I think if you're given the opportunity to, to, to use your brand in a podcast, always ask for the option of having the podcast hosts include your content within their content. You're always going to get, and the reason for that is because for the user who's hearing your brand, it's so much more um, authentic and it's always going to merge better with the platform. Yeah. Could I get you to explain native to those who might not understand it? Sure. Um, So native, you can, um, native, we use the word, and I suppose we started using the word first with online, um, native articles say. So native articles is when you would have a brand that's, um, essentially writes an article for a publication and it looks like it's part of the um like it's part of a like a journalist from the publication and some and consumers often would mix it with as in an an 
a free article, but it's actually been paid for by the brand. So we call that native advertising. And then that obviously um, is being used in an audio sense as well. In um, Back in the old days, they call it advertorial. So on TV, we call it advertorial still, I think. And look, I think in press, it's still considered advertorial. But I don't know, native is being used. And I think native sort of, yeah, probably in around 20... When was it? 2012, 2013, the term started being quite big. Yeah. I think if if you think of native as the ad, it's still an ad, but it's more in line with the surroundings that it's in. It's not a banner ad that looks different to the articles that's on the publication. It looks more like the medium that it's on versus an ad on the medium. Yeah. So then referring to that in podcasts, mm-hmm. a native audio would be me talking about a brand versus an ad popping in and sounding completely different to us. Yes, 100%. So that same Ad Age article said that hosts understand their audience and deliver the message in a way that will resonate while staying true to the personality and the podcast of the brand. And that is so true. So the more authentic you want your ad to seem, the more likely you are to have results if you allow the host to be involved in some way and deliver it as well. So probably takeaway, if you've got advertising dollars to spend, definitely consider podcasts. It's definitely a growing industry. Make sure you consider the podcast listener location, the content and the host relatability to your customers. And also ensure that you work with a podcast host and and make sure you work with the podcast host to create your content. What's got my attention this week is a very well-known strategist has written an article. Um, he was asked to be part of a conversation by WARC. Um, this this strategist's name is Rob Campbell. He's worked with brands like Nike, Google, Ikea, and Spotify. And um, he's very well known to, to be quite cheeky in the industry and often speaks out on things that um, maybe some others are a bit a bit hesitant to. He was asked by WARC to be part of a conversation to discuss whether strategists were well-equipped to embrace the opportunity that clients valued brand strategy more than any other discipline. So this article, Jade, what were your thoughts? I like where he said strategy is all about movement, momentum and direction. Where the day after a strategy is engaged, the behavior of the company or brand is fundamentally different to the day before. Right. Let's just, can we just break that down? Yeah, so I've met with a lot of clients and sometimes presenting a strategy is always met with resistance and it's almost like they're shocked that you're changing what they already do. But that is the point of a strategy Mm -hmm. is to change direction, is Mm -hmm. to um, move in a certain way and generally you've been asked to do that because the things that they're doing isn't working or they have different objectives. So it's always going to change, but I find people still have resistance to change. Yeah, I like that. So the brand... So the brand is fundamentally different to the day before. I love that. Um, I like where it said strategy should make things happen, move things forward, create new possibilities, create greater value for the audience and the business. Now, if you're looking at those as the objectives, it seems quite simple that if they, if you can tick, if the strategy ticks those boxes, let's go, let's go, go, go. But it's not as it's not as simple as that to get a strategy approved, unfortunately. I think he was kind of saying that strategy is almost undervalued at the moment um, and people think that they're doing it, but they're actually not. Mm. So I think these things are 
important to keep in mind that if you are looking at implementing a new strategy, it needs to do these things. Agree. And I think people just need to put some value on strategy. And I know we're talking about um, brands that have a lot more budget than possibly the smaller brands. You can um, say it at least you're a lot more money. Yeah, they have a lot more money. But um, they just need to value the discipline it is. And that the people that do strategy, that's all they do. And that is and that is why they're good at it. Yeah. And I think we're probably um, forgetting about the fact that a lot of smaller brands learn from the bigger brands. Sure. So it's good to know that they have that well thought out strategy behind them because they're the leaders in the market. You want to know that they know what they're doing and they're hiring those people to tell them where to go. Um, I liked where he said that um, some of the issues that at the moment is that clients want less about strategy and more about repackaging what they've already decided. They want less strategy and more about what will keep the client relationship happy and about doing less and taking jumps forward and more shuffles to the left or whatever the client wants justified. And I think that just goes back to the same thing we said, a strategy should be about movement direction, moving things forward and being fundamentally different, not strategists trying to just keep clients happy. Yes. Let's, I just want to bring up a strategy that I saw that really interests me since we're talking about strategy. Um, Kit Kat, there was an article in Ad Age um, by Kit Kat and it said Kit Kat gives its global slogan a 10-day break in celebration of 85 years. So fans who share their versions of have a break, have a Kit Kat may win a break of their own. So what I liked on this is that the strategy was playing on the, the fact of, you know, they get their have a break, have a Kit Kat in there, but it's giving the consumers um, their own, um, I guess their own time to come up with Kit Kat slogan. And then the, they would give their slogan a break while the consumer got to have theirs, give theirs a turn. So I really liked it. And it just, it's just fun. That's very, that's very refreshing. Very yeah. innovative that one. Yeah. And crowdsourcing is such a, I know that we've seen brands do this and it's an easy way to get you might 2.0. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've seen lots of brands do this um, over the years. The It's a it's a um, good way to get some creative for free by asking the world. But um, we will put this um, article from Ad Age in the show notes. Yeah, it's a great one to look at. Mm. The brand we're talking about this week is Frank Body. It was started by two Melbourne women who used to run a branding agency and they decided to make a coffee scrub in 2013. They now make $20 million in revenue and have more than 30 products in their range. Stop it. I know. <laughs> Not bad. Available in 162 countries and including retailers such as Selfridges, Bloomingdale's, Mecca and Sephora. They also have just under 800,000 followers on Instagram and have built a really recognizable brand. So for those of you who don't know about Frank Body, I just wanted to say a little bit about the brand. The lady said, we wanted to cut through all of that and just be open and honest. And when we were looking at our first product, the coffee scrub, it had very humble ingredients and at the time was packaged in a brown coffee bag. There was nothing fancy about it. So the idea was to be really upfront and frank about that. We built the character of Frank because we knew we were going to use social media to market the product. It made sense for us to talk in the first person because those platforms are dominated by peer-to-peer communication. So the concept of let's be frank and the character of Frank came together. 
Frank's cheeky character worked well on Instagram. Get naked, get dirty, get clean with my coffee-based skincare and is still present within the branding. So, Alicia, what did you think about Frank Brody? I love this brand. And maybe because maybe because it's just it's so forward thinking and they're young, they're fresh. They just get it. And it doesn't surprise me that the brand is founded by two well, actually it's founded by a few girls, but two of them are the co-founders of Willow and Blake, which is a creative agency. So therefore, Brie Johnson, um, I heard, uh, I was listening to an article um, by Brie Johnson um, on by Lady Brains, and it was just so refreshing to hear from her that she she had branding at the forefront of this brand and look at what it's done. Like I smile thinking about the brand because I'm like, yes, you get it. You get that branding and marketing is key to a successful product. Yes, 100%. What did you think about their purpose? Look, um, I love it. So the Frank, um, they there's an interesting story behind their name, like being honest, being um, – that's what Frank represents. And it is similar to um, – the podcast we're talking, the brand we're talking about the other week, um, Keep It Cleaner, where their purpose is in direct relation to the name, yeah. which keeps them accountable. Yeah, you can't really go away from that being, you know. Yeah. I think I, I read somewhere about making natural skincare fun, and I think they've definitely done that. Totally. Um, I think it was Brie Johnson who said they could see that, skincare was going to be the next trend. So it's very, very, um, very, very entrepreneurial of them and very insightful that they could see that diet and that was all being clean in your diet was taking off and they knew that cosmetics was next and they wanted to get on that. Um, good on them and far out. I wish it was me that created this, <laughs> but um, what a fun, like what they thought was just going to be a little startup is now in Mecca. It's all over the world um, so amazing. a great story to, to look into if you're interested in lady startups. Yeah. Um, and just, just how they've built the brand, how yes. they've built a, an amazing recognizable brand. Mm. I think, um, like we were talking about the other week with go to skincare, their copy showing their person brand personality really well. Mm. I think that Frank does this as well. For example, on their homepage of their website, it says coffee based skincare to leave you smooth, perky and pantsless enough introductions time to get naked. Yeah. It's just so refreshing to not be a boring skincare brand. So one of the owners, Brie is a copywriter. So she, she does write. That's what she does. And she's, she seems to know a lot about everything though. Like she's very good at branding. She's very good at business from what I was just listening to her. But yeah, I think her number one is copywriting, which certainly helps being <laughs> being a copywriter and the owner of a business. Um, similar to GoTo, I guess, because Zoe Foster Blake is also a writer. Yeah. Yes. I think as well, um, they, in the early days, they did a lot of showcasing their customers more than influencers. So they told, told news.com, when we first launched, we sent product to a whole bunch of people we thought were influential, so like makeup artists and beauty bloggers. But more, our most important and valuable ambassadors are our customers. We love to hero them as much as we can. And if you look through their Instagram and stuff, they have a lot of people using the product, but it's customers, it's regular people. It's not a lot of influencers such, even though a lot of them would use it. Mm. So I think they've done that really well. Yeah. Brie talked about education was being a main strategy. So, and they created the hashtag, um, the Frank effect. So I think um, educating through 
their social media and then also having others jump on board with um, the hashtag is a great example of owning a hashtag as a brand and and utilizing it in a way that benefits those. If you jumped on the Frank Effect hashtag, you learn. You know, you yeah. you learn from their product what it's doing, and then it's everyone's just sharing what it's doing for them. So I think it's um it's probably one of the best examples I've seen of a brand owning a hashtag. Like people change their hashtags all the time and don't really know what's the point. Am I? Is there any point in having this? Brie literally said that they can. The Frank Effect hashtag has been massive for their brand. Yeah, and I think the uh, it's so important how you said that education was the strategy behind that it Mm. was consumers educating consumers Mm. which is amazing which is which is purpose-led branding yeah as a purpose i think um something else they did really well was um obviously skincare is a really competitive market but they started by being known for one thing first Mm -hmm. so if you knew the brand back in the day which i did when they first started they only sold the one coffee scrub that's all they sold um they really obviously honed in on just promoting that one product. Mm. Um, and it's only recently that they've, that they've expanded their range to 30 different products, but they were known for just that coffee scrub first. See, it's interesting, isn't it? It goes back to what my, um, what my tip was or hack was last week. This is a classic example of not diversifying yourself too much. Yeah, if something's within. doing well and you've got that one product, pushed it yeah. do well do really well at that don't try and have 10 15 products just because you can what i think though is i didn't get much from them on the purpose in terms of the for good aspect sure i'm sure they're doing a lot sustainability wise for the community and things like that but not a lot of that came across what did you find i guess i'm not really minding because they they are um making skincare fun and as we said about showcasing consumers not just influencers then i'm happy that that's if that's an, like that they're just diversifying body image in terms of what's being seen that's enough of a purpose for me like i don't mind if they're not doing things sustainably and what else they're giving back to the community let mm. these girls run and let them just showcase um having natural beauty as part of a um as 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 part of the everyday person's routine. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they come up with next. Me too. What's making me more productive this week is blue light glasses. I've been using my blue light glasses again. As I have two kids, I've been working more at night and I struggle going straight to sleep after using my laptop or watching Netflix. As well as helping filter blue light so it doesn't mess with your sleep hormones, they also help with eye strain and soreness. They're worth checking out. Mine are from Baxter Blue. That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast. Podcast.